Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We are going to stay with the conversation and continue our conversation with former Utah Governor Gary Herbert about all the problems, the problems both fiscally and politically with racking up all this debt and then just pointing fingers, placing blame, shrugging shoulders, not my fault. Uh, we have to do it differently. We've got to tap the brakes on on everything. Uh, one of our texters chimed in, and I love this, uh, saying that, yes, we, we have all of this and it, it's a big problem uh, and we also have big problems of, of climate and infrastructure and access to health care. We have a, a big divide in terms of the haves and have nots in terms of, of income and opportunity. And so how do we prioritize all of that? And to me, it comes down to something really simple. I think if Democrats want to be serious about it and say, hey, they're really the champion of the poor and the little guy, they should call for an audit of every single program that touches poverty in any way, shape, or form to make sure there's no waste, fraud, or abuse, that what we do is effective and has outcomes that produce real results. I think if Republicans want to be serious, they need to look at welfare reform, and I mean corporate welfare reform, a lot of the uh, perks and privileges that come to the wealthy and the well-connected, and we could start changing the dynamic. We don't have to change everything, but if we don't, the only thing that will be left for us uh, is just draconian cuts that are going to hurt everybody, especially the poor uh, and the most vulnerable, that are going to hurt the environment and infrastructure and health care opportunities and so on. Uh, and that's the conversation we continued with uh, Governor Herbert. We talked about this big, distant government that was slow to listen, slow to respond, quick to tax, quick to spend, quick to be intrusive uh, in our lives. So let's continue my conversation from earlier today with former Governor Gary Herbert. Now, you know, it seems like we uh, we actually fought a uh, a war, uh, oh, I don't know, 1776-ish, uh, <laughs> about a big federal yeah. government that spent too much and overtaxed and overregulated. And, and I want to drill down on that, you you know, this idea that, uh, again, many Republicans hold now that nobody really cares about the debt. Uh, but you raise this point, and, and this is the one that always comes back to me, is that if we keep on this path, the people who are going to get hurt the most are the the poor and the most vulnerable among us. Absolutely. And uh, people need to remember that. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately we have, we've got these profligate spending ways, which has become a habit now. And politicians typically think in terms uh, of short term measures, nobody cares about it. And I've got my uh, reelection coming up here in a year or two or three. And so giving the goodies and, and bringing home the bacon, 
uh, is a, a way to help stay in good graces with the electorate. But thinking long term is sometimes a little harder to do. And, and I can tell you, I don't, you've probably have done this, boy, but on the web there is the U.S. national debt clock. Right. And you can actually see these numbers just whirring around here, the, the numbers. You know, our, we're, our actual spending right now, if you can imagine it, is over $7 trillion a year. Now, mind you, we only take in about $3.6 trillion, so we're almost spending double, double what we take in. Wow. Nobody believes that's sustainable. Nobody can run a business that way. You can't run your household that way. Sometime you're going to crash and burn. And, and we've gone from in 2000, our debt-to-GDP ratio was about 50, a little over 50%. Today it's 129% and growing. Uh, I mean, with, with what's on the table here today, with what President Biden and, and the Congress is pro, uh, proposing, uh, you're going to add another $3 trillion to the debt. You're going to be over $30 trillion. Uh, And the fact that they say, hey, we're doing it without raising taxes, which just means they're borrowing more money. Right. You know, it's just it, – <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what's going to be a sad comeuppance for us, Boyd, and that's the fourth largest item in the budget today – is interest on the debt. Yeah. It's first is Medicare, Medicaid, then Social Security, and then defense spending, I believe. That's right. And, and the fourth is interest on the debt. And interest right now has been at all-time record lows. Right. Well, with this, we're going to have some inflationary aspects of this, uh, profligate spending. Uh, we're going to have interest rates where one could go to two, go to three. Well, that means the line item on your on our budget goes from over $400 billion on interest to $800 billion to $1.2 trillion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to end up being the, the second or third largest uh, expense on our budget, and it's not sustainable. Yeah, and neither and none of that is sustainable uh, either in terms of, uh, you know, just there's no tax increase that could could fill that hole uh, if we have one point two trillion in interest every year. Uh, again, it, it ties in, uh, you know, to to hurting the poor and the most vulnerable uh, Gov, I want I want to sneak in one last question just that's on the political side of all of this. You mentioned the moral high ground when it comes to responsible spending and proper role of government. Uh, do you give me your perspective in terms of the party, the politics of this? You know, is the hypocrisy that we're seeing on the spending is that going to inhibit the Republican Party from being able to attract new people to the party uh, and to be able to be better positioned for the future? Yeah. Well, again, a lot of people understand the need to be fiscally prudent. You shouldn't spend more than you take in, live within your means. We ought to have rational debt. You know, we ought to have savings for a rainy day. That's what we've done in Utah. We have uh, we don't spend more than we take in. We only borrow money for construction projects. We don't have any kind of structural imbalance, we call it, where you borrow money for ongoing needs. Well, Congress, uh, you know, that's what they do. They borrow money for ongoing needs, and then they have to borrow some more the next year, and then some more the next year because they don't have a revenue stream that will pay for ongoing expenses. It's not a good way to budget. Uh, and, and, yes, I think it makes it very hard for us to point the finger as Republicans at the Democrats and say, you guys are tax and spend people when we're doing the same thing on the Republican side. So it's, it's going to make it hard. We're going to have to earn the trust that we had once before kind of coming out of Ronald Reagan. You know, He talked about all the time about the government was too bloated to spending too much money. I was uh, the, the the cure to me is to devolve more responsibility back to the states and local governments, 
We, we asked, we the people asked too much of Washington, D.C., and we asked our senators and our congressmen to go back and do this, provide this program, bring home some kind of benefit to us. And, and, and there's all kinds of programs that you can justify. But if, if that's the case, let the states and the local governments provide it. You know, uh, the federal government will be concentrating on, on national defense, uh, environmental issues, things of that nature. Uh, we've gotten into entitlement programs, which is probably something we can't get out of, but we ought to maybe come up with some kind of fiscal prudent program. Yeah. George W. Bush tried to do it and got, you know, just pilloried from people uh, uh, thinking they're taking away their Social Security. You know, he's trying to, to do what everybody knows, make it solid and sustainable. Yeah. So uh, I think we've lost a lot of opportunity here. And uh, when we say to the left, well, you're spending too much, they're going to say we don't spend any more than you guys do. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, in <laughs> fact, you're spending more. I think Biden is going <laughs> to, unfortunately, and I know uh, uh, President Biden well, and, and I worked with him a lot when he was the vice president. But he's just he's almost a different person than I knew then. And the spending that's, that's coming out of uh, the Democrats now is just alarming. Yeah. And we need to have somebody put on the brakes back there. And I, I hope that can be the Republicans. It's got to be somebody. But again, we're, we're putting ourselves in a difficult position by saying, well, uh, we've 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 had our come to Jesus meeting now, and, and we really want to be physically prudent now, even though we weren't these last four years. <laughs> That's right. Uh, great insight as always, former Utah Governor Gary Herbert. We appreciate you carving out a little time and weighing in on a topic that I know is near and dear to you, really important to all of us uh, here in the state of Utah and across the country. Uh, it is a national security issue. Uh, when it comes to our spending that uh, crosses the political divide. Uh, Both parties uh, are guilty, (laughs) and we can be equal opportunity offenders today. (laughs) That's true, and I I guess that's the case. There's a number of issues that I think we as Americans ought to be concerned about. In fact, I might write a book about the 10 challenges that America faces going forward, which ought to cause alarm for all of us. And there are a number of issues that are concerning me and probably concerning most Americans. Yeah crucial conversations. We appreciate you raising them and engaging in them and uh, for your service to the state and to the country. Uh, former Governor Gary Herbert joining us today. Thanks so much, Governor. Thank you, Boyd. Good luck. Bye. Well, can capitalism solve our social ills? What should companies be doing to build better culture internally and in society? Our friends from Cotopaxi are going to join us to talk about it coming up after the news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.